In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four handpicked book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number six, You Can't Handle the Truth. You know I can, though. <laughs> you can, Erin. That's true. The whole time that I was <laughs> prepping our picks for this episode, I kept shouting that out loud to myself. Yeah. I just want a real-life scenario where I could actually shout that at someone. Well, Yeah. That's all you could ever want, right? And it'd be super satisfying. The theme this week deals with scandal. All of our picks have scandals, exposés, hard-hitting truths. But since, Aaron, you brought up Screaming, the title, (laughs) um, if you were going to write or produce a piece where you could shout that for real, what would it be about? This is really hard-hitting. Oh. So prepare yourself. I am, okay, I'm breathing deep. Okay. Yep. I'm taking a sip of my wine that we're drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you should. Got it. Uh, If I could produce a piece where I could yell, you can't handle the truth, it would be about car pickup lines at school. (laughs) Because... Oh, yes. I've heard you complain about this before. Do tell our listeners. It's... I can't think of a time, really, bar none in my life, that I get as filled with rage as I do in a car pickup line. There's just all order goes out the window. (laughs) Even though there is a system, we've got people letting their kids off in areas that... Cars drive. So sure, hit and runs. That's a distinct possibility. People don't observe traffic patterns. It's multiple chaos. They park in lanes where people are trying to drive through. So you're causing more. Every time I pick up or drop off a kid at school, 
my blood pressure takes a real hit. Yeah. So I wish that there was somehow I could do like a, you know, dateline type piece. And then I could sit the person down that's messing it up Mm. and just yell, you can't handle the truth because you're not doing it right. (laughs) And I feel like it would be well received. I do. I think so too. Mm -hmm. I imagine there's plenty of other parents who feel the same pain Mm -hmm. that you do and would really like a constructive way of shouting at all of the people yes. doing that. Yeah. My fear a little bit is mm-hmm. that those people would then be able to produce their own piece of me just slamming my steering wheel <laughs> and hulking out. <laughs> well, really? You can't Ooh. handle the truth? Look at this. But you could be like a great meme or something, you yeah. know, like that yeah. picture of you. You could be a GIF. You could be all sorts oh. of things. And what is there more to want right? in life than to than be a that. meme? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, yep. boy. Perfect. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I was thinking not necessarily of writing or producing a piece, but in real life mm-hmm. where like I'm at a restaurant or something and mm. the waiter or waitress, I, so I am vegan and I will ask the waiter or waitress, you know, um, if there's any dairy, any cheese, any whatever. And some, most of the time everyone's great. Sometimes people will look at me like, what? You don't eat meat. You don't eat dairy. And I'm like, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> Because oftentimes questions will then come like, why would you do this? What is this all about? And oh. like, you can't, you can't handle it. You can't you dive handle into that, this info. You can't handle it. So oh. I'm just gonna stare at you with murdery eyes. Okay. I like that. But maybe next time I'll scream, you can't handle the truth. Yes. That'll feel way more constructive. Yes. Please make sure I'm there. Okay, great. Yeah. So I could tape it. <laughs> <laughs> and then make you a gif. Yes. <laughs> Oh, we can. Is that how you say it for sure? It's I don't know. That's how I say it. Yeah, I never know. I I don't like the hard G. Yeah, GIF. I like. Yeah, you're right. GIF. Yeah, Yeah. it's like the peanut butter. It feels natural. Yes. Yeah. Creamy and delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so another one related to our theme. Another question for you. Okay. Oh. Um. What is a hard hitting truth you've had to face about yourself? Oh gosh, so many. Um. Well. I think a general overreaching one is that like I'm a bit of a disaster. Mm. And I mean that not in like a like I'm going to ruin things type of way that I just like if there's some part of me that's real put together on the other side, something's going to be messed up. Like okay. that outfit looks great. I just wish that your shirt wasn't tucked into your underwear mm-hmm, type mm-hmm. of thing. Or sure. like, that's great that you experimented with makeup today. It's flaking <laughs> off everywhere. Like, <laughs> it looks like you have black eye. On right. One. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm just never quite going to have like all that. The appearance is never quite going to be down. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that makes you um, uh, much more worldly. You understand like what it's like yeah. to, you know, to go through life like that, Erin. Yeah. I like to think it makes me more real. Yeah. But- yeah. Relatable. Relatable. Likeable. Yes. Mm-hmm. All of those things. All those times I'm falling down in public, I'm just I'm making everybody else feel Exactly. You're doing a public service. <laughs> We're like, look at this. You could be doing this right now. You're living your best life by not falling. Yeah. I'm making you feel better about whatever's wrong in your day. Because yeah. I literally just walked off the curb, planted, face mm-hmm. plant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I've actually stuff. done that. So. Oh, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we've also talked about how in the past you attract all the weirdos. Mm-hmm. Would you uh, categorize that as part of being a disaster too? Mm. I would, except that it's such an entertaining part of my life That's that true. it's kind of hard to assign it that. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think because if if you're super put together, then sometimes you come across as not as approachable. True. So I think, yeah, I definitely have an approachable ah, quality. So they see you fall flat on your face and they're like, that one, yeah. I can talk to her. Yeah. She gets me. Yes. She'll be on board for this weird tale. And then I'm like, well, 
I really wasn't. See, really wasn't. It's a far cry from falling off a curb to keeping fingernails yeah. in a jar. What? A lot of distance. Is that an actual story? That is an you've actual heard? story. Who told you that story? Um, uh, someone that I previously worked with that okay. I was in charge of training uh, told me that he did in fact clip his fingernails slash toenails and had kept them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let that I'm sink in. I don't know. Ask any follow-ups, but be. I really yeah. want to. Was there a purpose? For... I I asked no follow-up. Okay, questions. that's probably good. He yeah. did use that as a launch pad into a very very rigorous discussion about exits. <laughs> <laughs> Before trying to follow me into the women's bathroom. What? Yeah, it was a host of. Okay, I'm gonna g- I gave him a pass on a few things because he seemed really nervous. I mean, he pitted out within the first 10 minutes. And I don't just mean like, you know, Normal. everyone can, yeah, it, yeah, it can yeah, happen sure. to everyone. But like this was like ringing out. Like, what about me wow. is making you this nervous right now? Wow. Yeah, it was it was intense. And then it, there are certain things, though, you just can't give a pass to. No. No. Talking about clipping your toenails mm-hmm. and fingernails and keeping them in a jar and nexits. Yeah. I, I don't know if he thought it was some kind of like experiment. Like you can see how long your toenails would be over the course of a certain amount oh, of time. Oh dear God. Yeah. This I don't is terrifying. Know. Yeah. I can't, I catch myself sometimes thinking about the reason and then I stop. Cause oh, yeah, you don't want to probe that too much. No, no, Mm-mm. nope. I left it alone. And then after the next hits, I was like, Oh, there's God. no way back. We'll never no, be friends. I, no, I'm sorry. I just, there's, oh my. <laughs> man, I want to apologize to our listeners for giving you that image. Cause now I'm going to be haunted by yeah, it. I know. Yeah. I'm glad I can and, kind of get yeah. it off my chest though. <laughs> Spread it out <laughs> into the world. <laughs> like a little infectious disease for everyone. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 So what about you? A hard hitting oh. fact you've had to face. Well, back, so. okay. You don't so clip your toenails. Give them in a I don't. Okay, no, I don't. <laughs> um, and even when I clip podcast toenails, I throw that shit away. Oh, I don't keep that in well, a jar. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, um, so a hard truth about myself. So for a long time, I convinced myself I was terrible at card games, um, mostly because I hated them uh, and really any games. Let's be honest. Okay. If we're in a, a situation where we're sitting around it with friends, having drinks, someone says, let's play a game. I'm like, I want to die. Really? At this Interesting. I hate it okay. so much. Wow. New but, fact. Yes. Um, but in the last like couple of years, um, some of my friends will play games that I actually get into. So mm-hmm. I'm having to like, you know, re reexamine my whole philosophy of life, Erin. Oh. But also I've had to face the facts that I was kind of a brat about it. <laughs> like um a few months ago, hung out for a weekend with a few of my friends. Michael, you know Michael mm-hmm. was trying to teach uh me and Eric a new game, and I was just being a such a breath. Like, this is I don't want I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't want to play. And he's like, if you would just shut up and listen to oh. the rules, you can do this. And I did. <laughs> and he was right. And I enjoyed the game. Nice. So is there some kind of like traumatic incident in your past involving a hmm, board game? Not that I know of. I do know though when I've tried to play I think it all stems from trying to play card games that involve math when you're drunk. Because that's oh, never going to work. Fair enough. It's hard enough when you're sober. Right, right. But when you're like, you know, college age drunk trying mm. to play card games, Mm-mm. you get to a, a, a place where you just realize, I don't know what I'm doing and I feel dumb. I don't want to do this again ever. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I like that. I like that instinct. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to this. Get away from me now. <laughs> 
Um, one of my friends, Amy, would always say, "Like Amy, you're a smart person. When it comes to games, when it comes to games, you are just dumb." I'm like, "Yeah, that's oh, that's where I'm at. You just have a little blind spot." Yes, there. but now I realize maybe I wasn't. Maybe I was just being a brat. Maybe you could just stand up and say, "You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I've been protecting you. I would win all these games." <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that's really it. I've been, you know, yeah, I've been mm-hmm. trying to save people from. The, the obvious domination yes. that I would bring yes. to the games. Yeah. So selfless of you. Absolutely. I like what you did there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, yeah. I think we got to talk about some... Some books. Some scandals, some exposés. Some hard-hitting truths. Hard-hitting truths. Yeah. What do you have for us? What's okay. your first pick? I have a book called... A fiction book called Those Who Knew by Idra Novi. This was published last year. Mm. Here, you can look at this, Erin. I'm holding yeah, it right holding now. Holding it in her hands. Feels great. Caressing the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the story of this book. It is an island country, um, an unnamed one. We're, we're led to believe, you know, it's somewhere in Latin America. Okay. Um, it's 10 years after a dictator regime has collapsed. So there's a sort of reckoning going mm. on in the country. Um, and one of the main characters, Lena, was a student during that regime, and she participated in the resistance during that time, working with a guy named Victor. Um, their relationship, Lena and Victor, soon became pretty complicated and abusive. Oh. There's a moment that haunts her in which she really thought that he was going to kill her. Oh. Now, 10 years later, he is a senator. He's hot stuff. Mm. He's seen as the future of the country. Gut punch. Yes. Um, and liberal politics, all the things that everyone's all for. But one of his staffers, one of his female staffers, ends up dead. And they rule it an accident. But Lena, knowing what she does about Victor, is really suspicious, really concerned. So the problem because becomes, does she speak up? And why didn't she speak up back then mm-hmm. when she experienced that violence, when she began to understand who he was? Could she have potentially saved this person that oh, she thinks yeah. might have died at his hand? I thought this was so, so timely, you know, time of scandal and expose in the mm-hmm. Me Too era. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I picked it. And what made it even more cool is there's other characters that are grappling with this, too, in other ways. Um, there's Victor's brother, Freddie, who is a playwright, and he's sort of writing about the darkness in their family. And he's trying to kind of get at who his brother really is, but he's feeling pressure to not do that in a public way, you okay. know? Um, there's Olga, an old radical who was tortured and widowed by the previous regime. Um, and there's Victor himself, who's dealing with a political scandal, separate from all this, having to do with, like, agriculture. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the combination of all of these people, it's so nuanced, it's so layered, and it's kind of achieved in a pretty thin, slim, quick-reading book. Um, and the timing of this, it came out in November, and it, that was an unintended timing, but it came out around the Kavanaugh hearings. Oh. So super, super relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, the power of sex, of men over women, what it takes for someone to come forward. And in fact, I read an interview with her, um, with NPR, and she sort of directly addressed that. You know, she said, of course, she couldn't have anticipated no. that it would come out at that moment. But right. um, she says, quote, I think this happens with many victims of assault. They wonder what their silence will mean for others. Everyone has to do that math for themselves of who will benefit from coming forward with some kind of testimony and how may it put you in an even more vulnerable position. And I think that math changes with time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, especially after the Kavanaugh hearings and seeing seeing what Christine Blasey Ford was having to deal with, it, it was even more relevant. Um, yeah. So very uh, poignant read, very entertaining, very hard hitting, lots of scandals, exposés, hard hitting truths. 
Very good. Sounds yes. amazing. It was good. Very good. Yeah. All right. What do you got, Erin? Um, for my fiction pick this week, I uh, picked In a Dark, Dark Wood by oh. Ruth Ware. And she has um, other novels. This happened to be her first. It's She's a British author. It's a psychological thriller, murder mystery. So um, it opens up with this character, Nora Shaw, who we realize pretty quickly is a very unreliable narrator for a variety of reasons. Love so, that. So yeah, right away you're kind of hooked because you're like, I don't know what to think. But yeah, so you're like, some of this is off. Some of this seems right? What is going mm-hmm. on? Right out of the gate. Um, she's been invited to a bachelorette party for an old college friend, which throws her for a loop because her and this college friend have not spoken for years. So it seems a little odd that she would be invited to this very intimate weekend. Mm-hmm. But another good friend of hers um, is also invited. So they kind of make a pack like, well, I'll go if you go. And pretty soon before you know it, they're there on the weekend. And right away, it is takes a you-can't-handle-the-truth kind of turn when she finds out that the old college friend, Claire, is actually marrying Nora's ex-boyfriend. Oh. The one that Nora has not gotten over um, and has not been able to really get past. And she invites Nora? Right. Ooh. So right away you're like, what is happening yeah. here? This is this is a weird, twisty, something's not right. You know, red flags all over. So it's bananas right away, but it just gets more dark, more twisty in the best, most delightful way for a reader. What ends up happening is Nora ends up spending the rest of the weekend piecing together why this ex-boyfriend, soon-to-be husband, ends up murdered. So that's where it goes. I can't give you any more than that, because. but I will tell you, I was unprepared for the ending wow so dark so twisty isn't that crazy too that like we've read a lot and when there's something that surprises you like when you can't anticipate where something will go god i love that yes and i think even less so of it being because maybe if you took a step back you maybe could have come up with that ending Mm -hmm. but i think because of ruth Ware's writing style you're so wrapped up in the story and you're so focused on this narrator that you kind of lose sight of everything else which is a great quality and a really amazing writing skill to be able to do that, like you said, to some people who are avid readers in particular mm-hmm. that are usually more prone to picking up that stuff. So I think this book has a really wide appeal. If you're an avid reader, I think you're still really going to enjoy it. If you, you know, just every once in a while pick up a book or you're looking for something like that, like a mm-hmm. thriller mystery, I think you're you're going to love it just as much. Um, it's a quick read because you want, you just, you're propelled you forward. Go. Yeah. yeah. You got to mm-hmm. know it. So it's, I mean, from top to bottom, you, the turns are just, you can't predict them. So yeah, it's great. Can you I, even imagine what would have happened if someone had done that to you? Like invited you, surprise, I'm marrying your ex. Well, what in the, what? I feel like. Maybe I should have said that as a hard-hitting truth is that I have a little bit of an antisocial side. So <laughs> had you invited me and hadn't spoken to you in years, I'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah, like, no. yeah. you know what? That's so nice. I'm going to send you a mm-hmm. bottle of wine. Hope you have a great time. Yep. Peace. I'm out. Yeah. Like not happening. not happening. No, I would never be tricked into that kind of behavior, especially okay. once I find out it's in a dark, dark wood. What? Yeah. That's the name of the book. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. Nope. I mean, that has murder written all nope. over it. Yeah. You need to watch more Dateline if you think you that's really safe. do. Yeah, yeah, you're just that's not okay. Good lord. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's good for you know curling up for the afternoon. Mm-hmm. A good book. I think mm-hmm. it's a good book to convince you not to go on a friend reunion. Sure. If you need an excuse, read this book. <laughs> if you're looking for a way to get out of your high school or friend reunion, yeah, read this. If you live in the middle of the woods and you're looking for a reason to sell your house, read this. It'll okay. be the tipping point. Great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I 
honestly, I couldn't handle the truth on any level <laughs> in this book. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. She's a great author. I love all the books about her, but really this is the first one. If you haven't read any of hers, definitely start with this one. You'll okay. be hooked and yeah, you'll want to go. Does she always write in this vein? Yeah, frequently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I mean, not... Um, they vary, you know, it could be friend groups. It might be a husband and wife. I mean, she is really versed that way. Like she Mm -hmm. does a lot of different characters, but yeah, there's usually a psychological thriller element to all of her writing. So, man, I wish that one of us had found a book where they actually did that and screamed, you can't handle the truth. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Is that? Yeah, it would have been amazing. Yeah, You can't handle the truth. No. And I'm sure that neither one of us for our other pick picked the actual movie that comes from. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah. It's just become felt too so on the nose, it did. Yeah. It's become such part of our culture. We didn't feel like we needed yeah, to. Yeah, if you missed that. it, you should go back watch it's it. It's a few good men for yeah. those of you who have not seen it. Check it out. Yeah, but good old Jack. Nicholson. What I prefer more is if you could somehow work. You can't handle the truth into your everyday life. Tell Absolutely. us about it. Yes, I would love to hear about people saying that. We want to see and hear about confrontations mm-hmm. where you just scream. You can't handle the truth, really, with no warning whatsoever. <laughs> yes, less warning the better. Uh-huh. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. So. And in situations where it really doesn't call for it. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Aggressive yelling. At the it's Walgreens even- <laughs> checkout line. You can't handle the truth when you're trying to buy, you know, like, uh, I don't know, feminine, feminine hygiene products. Yes, perfect. Yeah. And they're like cash or credit. And you're you're like, like, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> what? I just want you to pay. I don't, none of this is appropriate. You can't handle the truth about female bodies. Yeah. 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 You're shaming me. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but you should yeah. send them in. You should let us know. Definitely. Yeah. We really want to see that. Yes, we do. Yeah. hundred percent. Prize yeah. for the best one. Yeah. A prize to be determined. Yeah. But to- it's going to be good. It'll be great. Yeah. We're good at prizes. So. We have no history prize. of prizes. No, but, but we're going to be know. really good at it. We'll yeah, good we at will. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And another thing about this I forgot to mention is that Reese Witherspoon optioned the rights to this. Ooh. Yeah, I think she's making it into a movie, which is like true of every good contemporary fiction Absolutely. book that comes out. Reese yeah. Witherspoon's like, I'll buy that. Well, I mean, she's choosing a lot of like female-led stories mm-hmm. too, which is really cool. It is. Very cool. Yeah. You know? She's yeah. like, good for her. Just yeah. taking on that. Yeah. So... Do you think, could you picture her in one of the roles? In this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. For sure. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's switch to nonfiction or let's. other genres, I should yeah, say. Yeah, other genres. Yes. Yes. Hit me with it. Okay. I can handle it. Oh, you can handle it? Okay, great. I don't know if you can once I tell you about this. Okay. All right. All right. So this is a nonfiction book. It's called American Pharaoh, Mayor Richard J. Daly, His Battle for Chicago and the Nation. Mm-hmm. Now, bear with me here. Okay. Um, It's by Adam Cohen and Elizabeth Taylor, published in 2000. Okay. So a bit of backstory. Yes. Why I read this. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved to Chicago after I graduated college in Mm -hmm. 2000, and I lived there for the next 13 years. Okay. And as I was getting to know the city, as I was getting to know this way of life, I read a bunch about the history because it's absolutely fascinating, the city history. And it kind of looms large in our country's imagination, I think. Um, There's, you know, the, the... the lore about prohibition era crime and all the gangs and Al Capone, all that good stuff. Then in the last, you know, couple decades, there's, you know, this image of the city as one of just excessive murder, you know, just terrible mm-hmm. stuff happening on the South side, which is actually, which is absolutely accurate. 
Um, but the city, especially that first part, the the Prohibition era stuff, the city sort of plays that up. Oh. Um, there's like bus gangster tours, right? You get on this bus. My dad and I actually did this. This has me written all <laughs> over it. I'm all you in. You get in this bus. It's painted black. There's these two guys that are sort of, um, you know, acting out gangster roles. We're driving all over the city to like where, um, you know, Al Capone shot down uh, this other bootlegger and mm. where the St. Valentine's Day massacre happened. And oh, look at that church. You can see the bullet holes right there. You know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. Plays it up. And it was great. Loved it. Sounds amazing. Um, and there's also this perception of Chicago as sort of um, the city of just graft and corruption. Absolutely true. Oh. Um, and it's scandal, just constant scandal that often seems to just bounce off. Right. Um, there's a massive democratic machine there with a very unique political system of aldermen's and this like all powerful mayor. So one of the books I read was about the, the sort of epitome of this mayor, Richard mm-hmm. J. Daly. Um, he was the mayor from 1955 until he died in office in 1976. The man had some longevity. Wow. Um, he grew up working class Irish. And he rose through the sort of corrupt ranks of the political machine. And when he became mayor, he, as the book's authors say, just ruled with an iron fist. Okay. Um, At the time, Chicago was kind of dying in the mid to late 50s. And he's sort of credited with transforming the city into this sort of modern, you know, metropolis with skyscrapers and thriving downtown, all that good stuff. Um, But along the way, he's basically responsible for the extreme segregation that still exists in the city. Um, he created the biggest, the worst ghettos in the entire country, um, in part by deciding to cut the city into sections. When he decided where interstates were going to be placed, he wanted to cut it off into like an X so that, oh, the, the African-Americans will be here and the, you know, the, the poor people over here and the white people up here and wow. just very, very deliberate. Um, he's also the one that instructed police to beat up protesters at the 1968 Democratic National Convention. Super brutal. Um, he defied national civil rights laws. He's not a great guy. Um, so it's remarkable. It's terrible at once, but it's really eye-opening about why the city is the way that it is. Um, also interesting, he was a major player in national politics. He's basically the reason JFK got elected. Oh. As well as LBJ, and he never let them forget that. Oh, so he had some clout, and he was not afraid to use it. Well, what good is clout? If you don't uh, right, use it, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, this book is written by two journalists, and they were using like previously uncovered material. Really fascinating. Um, it's a great read, one that might piss you off, mm. but still, um, still good regardless. Um, it's also I read it while his son, Richard M. Daly, was mayor, another long running mayor, 1989 to I think like 2007. He was basically taking the same sort of blueprint, making it his own. There was one point where he just decided one morning before everyone got up in the city to tear up Miggs Field because he was pissed at the developer for taking too long or something like that. So there were just bulldozers like going through um, this uh, private airport thing. Just completely wacko, most of it. Um. But I also chose it today because I've thought about this book and Mayor Daley quite a bit in the last couple of years of the current administration. Um, the way that Daley ran his government, ran his city, um, reminds me in some ways, it feels like um, our current president is almost using him as a blueprint. Like, mm. oh, that's the kind of rule I want to have. Like, I want to have complete control. I want to rule with an iron fist. Mm. Um, and in that way, it's it's a really relevant read for kind of understanding what's going on today. And maybe that sort of, you know, um, leader, that sort of man that people are aspiring to be right in government today. Okay. 
Interesting. So yeah, sounds American great. Pharaoh. By the way, I didn't realize there's also an award-winning horse named American Pharaoh. Oh. Because when I looked up uh, the book to try and get to remember some of the details and when it was published and stuff, all it kept showing me was horse photos. I'm like, I, this is not where I was going, but <laughs> okay. It's a fine looking horse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously it's mm-hmm. named, it's a Pharaoh, so. There's also books apparently either written about or by American Pharaoh. Oh, that's a twist. Mm-hmm. I would like to know if it is by American Pharaoh. I hope it is. I hope so too. Yeah. I, I hope so. And I hope he dictated the whole thing. I hope he did. <laughs> I hope there's like um, hoof prints in ink on each page. Because <laughs> <laughs> clearly that would mean it was authentic. Yeah. It means that he did it. Right. And that he, like, with his hoofs, just sort of typed it all out. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be any barriers there at all. <laughs> I think that seems perfectly plausible. I think Mayor Richard J. Daly would approve of I American Pharaoh yeah, typing out his own book. I think he would. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He'd be like, that's a good horse. Yes. Doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Too far. On the horse. <laughs> well, it sounds great. Either yes. way, horse or not. Yes. Sounds like a very interesting <laughs> read. So would you say that you consider yourself to be like an Iowan in your heart? Or do you feel an allegiance to Chicago because you were there for quite it's a, a good period question. of time? You know, because I grew up here mm-hmm. in Iowa, but then most of my adult life was spent in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um it was also interesting, though, because there's a lot of people in Chicago that call themselves Chicagoans that are, A, transplants like me, mm-hmm. or B, people that actually live in the suburbs. I have no patience for either one of them. Oh, all right. None. Oh, we hit another you can't handle it, too. <laughs> you can't handle it. You're not a Chicagoan. Oh. Is there a t-shirt line in there somewhere? Yes. <laughs> suburbs are not Chicago. With a print on the back. <laughs> But to answer your question, I, I think uh, much more in Iowan these days because I've been back here for about five years now, and yeah. I feel much more at home. Okay, but there's still a part of me that loves and longs for Chicago. All right, it's a good city. Just moment of silence for Chicago because it's dead. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed appropriate. <laughs> you know, but it's one of those cities though that you leave it for a little bit or you move to another neighborhood and then it completely changes. Really? So like even in the 5 years that I've been gone, there's a lot of parts of Chicago I completely don't even recognize anymore. Wow, it changes that fast. Yeah. Interesting. And so in a way it feels like the Chicago that I lived in is gone. Mm. You know, Chicago of like the 2000s. Right. It's no longer there. I imagine I've heard the same for people who live in New York, you know, the people who lived in New York in the 1970s it's not the same in New York as today, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a very, when, when cities are like that and change that often, it's a, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That sounds great though. It's like a, just informational and yeah. finding out more about it. Yes. Love that pick. Great. Okay. Well, uh, my nonfiction pick this week, uh, it's a, it's a toughie. Um, it has humor in it, but it's, it's, yeah, it's called God'll cut you down. The Tangled Tale of a White Supremacist, a Black Hustler, a Murder, and How I Lost a Year in Mississippi. Good Lord. Yeah. By John Safran. First off, Safra. that's a lot of words in the title. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot 
to take in. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. It was published in 2013. So the author, he is a white uh, Jewish Australian documentary filmmaker. So that's kind of how he got popular. Um, he had a show in 2009 called Race Relations, where he kind of challenged a lot of these prejudices that we see. Um, and it he gained a lot of popularity because he did so with humor, but by also making a point. Um, tackled some really tough issues, but still managed to somehow make it you know, not just horribly sad, but more entertaining and also educational. So he, you need a little background to get the start before that, where this book comes in. Okay. Uh, Richard Barrett was someone that was featured on one of these episodes of race relations. And he's a white supremacist that lives in Mississippi. And he was hosting a banquet called the spirit of America in which only white kids could win. Okay, so the author, John, decides this is something I have to put on this show. Mm -hmm. And then because of it in his own personal life, he was just dabbling in kind of the sending your DNA to a genealogy website just for fun. He was doing it for a side project. And he thought, what would happen if we sent this white supremacist (gasps) DNA and we found out that his ancestors oh, were not as right white as yeah. he intended. So essentially, he sort of tricks Richard Barrett into giving his DNA by helping him blow up balloons for the Spirit of America banquet. Okay. They send it away. And as you would expect, that there's some African ancestry in Richard Barrett's As is past. probably true for most of us. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the... The genealogist, the representative kind of said, essentially, it would probably mean that there was a marriage or something at some mm-hmm. point that involved white person, black person. That's how things came to be. Uh, they can't say for sure because they don't have, you know, that kind of specific information. But ultimately, it just sort of blew apart his whites, the only kind of right theory because wow. and uh, the author gave him this news publicly at the banquet. While he was on stage. Yes, yes, yes. You can't so. handle the truth indeed. No, no. no. So yeah, very you can't handle the truth moment. Very like, you know, took him by surprise. So a lot of people had an issue with that because A, he kind of tricked him into giving the DNA. So yeah, a flawed theory to some level. But if you look at it just for what he was trying to do, which was make a point about you know, like it's not that simple and making right. it that simple is a real injustice. Mm-hmm. Um kind of made that work. So cut to where the book starts. John finds out that Richard has been murdered. This white supremacist, this is true nonfiction, has been murdered and that a black man is accused of the crime in Mississippi. So he decides that, you know, we have this episode with this guy. We need to go down there and investigate. You know, he's got an investigative journalistic background. Let's go. So him and a team go there and they end up spending a year investigating the death. And it turns out that it is not at all as cut and dry as it would appear. And that this Richard Barrett is not at all as simple as he wanted people to believe. So he, I mean, he spends time interviewing, um, The person that was accused, the family of the accused person, he spends time talking to the family of the victim, to neighbors, lawyers, police officers, community members. I mean, he hits everything because he's there for a year. And really, throughout the whole thing, you just get this overwhelming feeling of how complex this situation is. And not just because it's this particular situation, but just in general, the whole idea of holding a prejudice so Mm -hmm. hard and fast is, it's so complex underneath it. And that gets, you know, brushed under the rug a lot. So he um, 
puts it all in this book. That's what he, that's what the whole book is based on. Um, Penguin Random House is the one that published it, and their blurb, I think, probably sums it up the best. This is a brilliant, haunting, hilarious, unsettling story about race, money, sex, and power in the modern American South from an outsider's point of view. And wow. that is not a lie. You will laugh out loud because his interview style is hilarious. I mean, he doesn't hold back. Like, he'll say something really snarky because, which is what you're thinking. Like, how could anybody say mm-hmm. that for real? But he's also, this is a very deep, politically divided, important issue. And he tackles it and he does so with a lot of really interesting points that mm-hmm. make you really think about things a lot harder. So I think he did it great. Obviously, I picked it for the scandal aspect and that you can't handle the truth. Um, but also, it's my type of book because oftentimes the truth is devastatingly horrible, mm-hmm. but with some humor elements. So yeah. hit hit all my buttons for sure. Um, and he just does a great job with being able to write that and make you feel like you're there with him in mm-hmm. Mississippi investigating it and puts his own, you know, funny spin on it while also keeping the integrity of how important the issue is, which I think is, is really, you know, it's a hard difficult. thing to do. It yeah. is. It, what it reminded me of is, uh, like you're watching, if you're watching a show, like I think VH1 used to do this and like the little thought bubbles would pop yes, up. like pop-up video. Yeah, yeah, pop-up video. That's what it reminds me of as a book. Like you're reading it and then like a little snarky thought bubble pops up, but he says it, you know, huh. like, so, okay, yeah, that's, it's great. It was, it is a great read. It is also a difficult read. So yeah, when you introduced the book, you had kind of a, a grimace on your face. Yeah. So what is it about it? Besides, I mean, I know you can't re- reveal too much mm-hmm. about it, but what was it, it that was it's difficult? It's just, it's hard. Hard, I think, sometimes to face people that are so strong in beliefs like that and are so willing to defend them all the way down. I find that sometimes hard to read or yes. hard to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to give it more credence than it's due. But I also think it's super important. And like you mentioned in this time, that we are looking at issues from all sides because mm-hmm. the only way that you can understand or help someone else understand why maybe their thought process is misguided is to fully understand the issue yourself and to not make it so black and white or not make it so simple. Like we always want to reduce things to, well, if it's not A, it's B. Right. And there's it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And I think he does a great job of showing that in this book, but that can be hard as a reader, you know, yeah. to take complexity. on. Complexity mm-hmm. is hard. It's it is. hard to understand. It's hard to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think about it a lot. And so I think it's a book that stays with you in that sense that you, you really, I, a lot of the things kind of twirl around in there for a while. And wow. sometimes it's just hard to admit that we still have situations like this today. Mm-hmm. I mean, this book was in 2013, but that's not long enough ago to no. say, oh, we're really past this, no. you know? So, That's a good point. When you read stuff that make you think, oh, God, this was just recently or this was just mm-hmm. this, and it's so terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real gut punch. Yeah, it is a very, very mm-hmm. good, big gut punch. So, yeah, it's a great book. I think it's wonderful. It was really fun to read, but it's also really difficult to read. Okay. So it's kind of kind of got both going for yeah. you. Yeah. When you, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past, Aaron, but do you mostly listen to your nonfiction, like audiobooks, or do you read them? Uh, it varies. I do. I primarily, if I'm going to listen to an audiobook, it's primarily nonfiction. Um, that's partially just because of my reading style. When I'm reading fiction, I often want to get through it faster. Right. Um, and nonfiction, I generally listen to more like business books mm-hmm. or that type of thing. This one I read. 
um, I didn't listen to, although I have heard a snippet of the audiobook and it was amazing because it's the author reading it. Wow. So yeah. it feels even more like you're getting his internal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I read this one. It just sort of depends on how interested I think I'm going to be because I need to have it in my hands if I think it's really going to grip yeah. me because I need to be able to work through it faster or yeah maybe that's why i because i i struggle with audiobooks i still mm-hmm. do and maybe because i'm mostly reading fiction maybe it's the like you're not going fast enough like i need to get past right, this maybe right. that's why and for me it's like i'm in the car and then i have to get out of the car well i don't want to let it go right. so then you know you're kind of stuck where i know if a book if i get okay i need to stop because i have x y and z to do i know i can pick it up later well mm-hmm. i'm not sitting in my car in the garage at night listening, you know, I mean, I guess I could put it on headphones or whatever, but usually I read, actually physically read when I'm in the house. So question when you're in the carpool lane or the Mm -hmm. car drop off lane and you want to just, the world just disgusts you. Are you listening to books at that time? Often, but I have also found that it, no, I'm so distracted and enraged <laughs> that I can't follow. Yeah, I have yeah. to put music on <laughs> and just like try to zone out. And I tried to make it like calm music. That doesn't work because it doesn't match my level <sighs> of anger. So no. yeah. calming music never calms me. It just enrages me. Yeah. yeah. It has to almost be like death metal yeah. to really match where I'm at. Well, here you go. When mm-hmm. you're next in the car drop-off lane, just listen to some Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. You'll feel much better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is going to make you laugh, but okay. J-Lo's usually go-to for me. <laughs> the ones where she raps, particularly, and or has a rapper, because that just, I don't know why, it just makes me feel like, <laughs> yep, you got me. You got my back, J-Lo. So, yeah. Uh-huh. So you feel supported by, by having mm-hmm. J-Lo rapping? Yeah. Is she's it because real. she's kind of a badass? Like, yeah. is that? Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously she is. Obvious. But, yeah. yeah. Obviously. But yes. But the answer to that is yes. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Yeah. Oh, no, you really can't. Okay. Well, let's talk about some other things. Yes. Give me another pick. All right. Yes. Um, I think uh, this theme worked really well in this other field, mm-hmm. you know, this non-book um, field. Absolutely. I chose a TV series oh. called Veronica Mars. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It ran from 2004 to 2007, okay. starring Kristen Bell, now well known to the world. Very, yes. But at the time, this was her debut. You might say, here, take a look at this DVD. Oh, Oh, I have the actual DVDs. Just like the book. I'm now Mm -hmm. touching the cover. Caressing it. Look at all the pretty people. Yeah. That is a great cover. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the show itself, let me tell you about the show itself beyond the cover. Mm -hmm. Um, So Veronica is a teenager. Uh, She lives in a super wealthy Southern California town of Neptune, filled with movie stars and the rich and famous. But her family is not wealthy, and they've been kind of put through the ringer in the last year. At the start of the show, her best friend, Lily, has died. She's been murdered. Oh. She was the daughter. Lily was the daughter of some very prominent rich people in the community. Uh, Veronica's dad, who was the sheriff at the time, went after the family for the death. Um, Not quite clear if they're going after for the murder or for negligence or something like that. Uh, But because they're so rich and famous, they could put the kibosh on this and they get him removed as sheriff. So by the time the show starts, um, he's a private investigator and Veronica is helping him out to make ends meet. Um, There's so much happening here. Veronica used to be in with the popular rich crowd, but once this all happened, once this went down, um, she was booted. Mm -hmm. Uh, People just treat her absolutely viciously, just terrible. Mm. They're blaming her for everything that's gone wrong. It's almost like, you know, a community closing around itself. All the rich people, you know, just protecting their own kind Mm. of thing. Um, 
she yeah she's treated like absolute garbage she's even drugged and raped at one point oh, no. so another uh problem but at this point she's got zero f's to give right she right. is she takes it upon herself to figure out who killed lily um and along the way she's serving as private investigator for some of her fellow students mm. students that hate her but are willing to throw money at her to solve some of their various problems uh, mm. it's so rich it's so funny. It's so heartbreaking. It's got crazy twists and turns throughout the show. It's got some epic love stories. It's got a little bit of everything. Sounds like it. Just a menagerie. Yes. And I chose this because Veronica's life is turned upside down by scandal, by expose. Um, and instead of buckling under that, she says, F this. I'm going to come at you harder. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cause some real effing scandal mm-hmm. right now. Um, and she's a teenager. Yes. But... I think anybody, any age can watch this and be very entertained, be very touched. You know, it's, it's poignancy that, that really kind of transcends age, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and in fact, as I was writing this uh, earlier, I was like, I think I convinced myself to rewatch it. So oh. the next time you see me, I may be like a season deep into in Veronica Mars. Mars. Okay, I like it. And good news, everybody. Um, so this ended kind of... Um, suddenly at the end of the third season it ended sort of on a cliffhanger but then a few years later there was a kickstarter campaign they made a movie i was gonna ask yes okay that movie was delightful um solved a lot of issues and now they've got another they're rebooting the series and they think it's going to be on hulu or netflix or something it might be a limited run but all the people coming back so more veronica mars is coming oh, so you get that's a great wreck because yeah. you can get in just in time exactly watch this stuff you'll be absolutely hooked and then when the new stuff comes out god you're gonna be on it i hope in the new series she finds a moment to yell you can't handle the truth <laughs> you know as i was writing the notes i was trying to think has she said she said many many zingers that get to the point of you can't, you can't handle, handle the, the truth. truth perfect but in her own snarky wonderful way I love it. Yeah. Sounds great. I have actually never seen Veronica Mars, so I think you're convincing me to get into it. Yeah. I think you should. Yeah. Um, I I like the fact that I still have the DVDs, um, (laughs) even though it's streaming, I'm sure, somewhere. Right. But, you know, I bought these in 2004. Or Probably. whenever it came out. Yeah. And I wanted to have them in my hands and look at them. And you know what? It, it enriched the experience for me it to did. take it so out of your hand and hold it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can look at all the beautiful people. See, there's um, Wallace, her friend. There's a biker. <laughs> there's a biker. Amy's just pointing out yeah. characters on the cover now. <laughs> now we just... Look, look. Here's her dad. Oh, oh. He's a PI. Okay, we're getting See, more. There's a okay. school bus. There's a school bus there's, on the cover. Yep. So, yeah, some good, good stuff. There you go. <laughs> so good visual aids <laughs> yes perfect perfect <laughs> nailed it all right uh my other pick is a little um i don't know what you would call it that it's like a limited series run mm-hmm. on netflix called the staircase oh so this you might have seen this in a dateline if you are a dateline follower they did like a couple episodes on it i'm not sure but essentially what the story is is that there's this novelist michael peterson whose wife died in 2001 um, and was found at the bottom of their staircase in their house and so he his theory when he found her and called 911 was that she fell down the stairs and must have you know hit her head whatever it was but that's what caused her death But when the medical examiner and investigators get there, pretty much right away, everybody's thinking, yeah, that's not true. There's blood splatters that are disputing that. Um, Just frankly, science in general is kind of (laughs) arguing with his theory. So this is it's it's odd. But then on that side, so 
as a viewer, you're kind of led to believe, okay, so he did it. But then on the other side, there's all this very compelling evidence to say that he didn't. And so what you have essentially is a staircase, a woman dead. Michael Peterson ends up going on trial and is found guilty. So he's in jail. And then as it turns out, that gets overturned for a reason, and he has another trial. So what this uh, what this uh, series does is it gives you a deep dive into the initial story, but then basically you're following around Michael Peterson's legal team. You're in all of their meetings when they're talking about what does this piece of evidence mean? What is this? You're in there when they're hard-hitting coming at him, like, what is this? I, what is this piece of information? What about this? Wow. Um, you get to see a lot of the inside of his family. He and his wife, um, they had she had a daughter previously and he had children previously whose whose mother had passed, I believe. And they all were very adamant of standing by him and saying, no, absolutely, he didn't do this. Um, and so you, you understand, they kind of explain where their feelings are coming from and why they're doing that. Um, you get to see them talk to the lawyers. You get to see a lot of the courtroom action of the first trial, of it getting overturned, the second trial. It is... It's such a deep dive, but it goes so much deeper than the crime itself. It ends up really being a commentary on the justice system and how how do we really accurately pursue truth? Mm-hmm. How do we really actually find out what happened in a situation? And how are we confident that we're not always rushing to judgment and or that we're getting it right in jury situations? So wow. it raises so many questions, and it's such an interesting way to do it. I had seen the dateline. I mean, it's... You know, that's their their thing. They mm-hmm. do a murder. And I had seen it on there, but I had never I hadn't really followed it any further than that. So it's very interesting. Um, you will like him sometimes, you will not like him sometimes. You will go back and forth about whether you think he did or didn't do it. I mean, there's so much interesting information that is not even really publicly known. So I thought it was great. Uh Mike and I actually watched it together and flew through the uh episodes. I can't wow. even remember exactly how many there are, but yeah, it you fly through just because you can't believe, you know. And the fact that, like, I think some of those shows, they kind of set up interviews, right? But they're not, like, following along right. with each of these steps. The part about that you said that, like, they're talking or they're showing the lawyers actually talking to their clients. Mm-hmm. That's pretty intense. Yeah, there's a lot of intensity in it that you're, I mean, you're following his lawyer who's, you know, working all weekend, who is working all hours of the night, you know, and, you know, when he loses something in court, how he feels about it, what what do you do? You know, how long do you suffer that loss? And then, you know, round up the wagons and say, okay, we're going to approach it from this angle now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really fascinating. And no matter where you come out on it, uh, it you still feel like I like you were a part of it, essentially. I mean, you almost feel like some ownership in it by the end because you kind of feel like a jury member. Like you've just been, but you got to see everything as Mm -hmm. opposed to just how it's presented in court. So yeah, it's really interesting. The the documentary filmmakers did a fantastic job with it. So highly recommend. Wow. And there are a few moments where you will say, I can't handle the truth. (laughs) I can't. So it will change from you can't handle the truth to admitting Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't handle, handle the truth. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How's See, I much prefer deep? to yell at other people and not admit my own failures. Is Fair that bad? Enough. No. Yeah. No. No. I think that's a natural instinct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose, I, yeah, if you watch this, you could probably, if you watched it with a friend, you could say, true, pause it, <laughs> look at them, 
you can't, you can't handle, handle the, the truth, truth. Yeah. and then just say sorry we'll pick this up next week oh wow yeah okay Real this is an interesting friendship that you're describing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i'd be down for that <laughs> i have no idea yeah who i would do that with sounds very authoritarian <laughs> Side note, how many times do you think Jack Nicholson is asked by fans or oh, random people man. on the street to say you can't handle the truth? I don't. Do you think it beats out Here's Johnny from The Shining? Oh, boy. I mean, he's had some good ones. He so. does. I mean, I would think those have to be the two that he's like, yeah, yeah, good one. And I wonder what his reaction is. I could see him just being like, no. Mm-mm. No. First of all, that's not how I said it. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you're not me. Right. Third of all, see one and two. Right. I don't. And you're trying to take a selfie? No. Not going to happen. No. I'm yeah. Jack effing Nicholson. Yeah. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I'm going to do something awesome. Probably come up with another great <laughs> line. Go sit at a basketball game and <laughs> date women that are 30 years younger. I mean, come on. I got things to do. Really, Amy can't handle the truth about Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Apparently, I've soured on him. Oh, yeah, that's I don't know. Right. It's okay. fair. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> now I just have this image of you coming to a basketball game, running by him, yelling, "You can't handle the truth!" <laughs> Ooh, I'd like yeah. that. And that just being like a clip that they show on Sports Center of like, right. what happened here? What is going on here? Yeah. Who is this girl? Why is she running home, across like, court? Get it, Amy! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I would cheer, like as they dragged me away. <laughs> you can't handle the truth! <laughs> yeah. Because of course in this scenario, you actually do get dragged away. I like yes, it. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'd be, oh, I'd be making that a thing. That would be my meme. That would be my gif for all eternity. It, yeah. And I'd be okay with that. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think that's great. I think we'd blow it up to poster size. Yeah, we would. But cut out of you getting dragged oh away God. that people could take pictures with. Hang it up in the studio. It would be our inspiration. It would be. For all of our future episodes. Yeah. Yeah. When we wanted to make a point, we could just point to it. We could. You can't handle the can't truth. Handle remember? It. Yeah. Do you remember Instead, that? Right now we're just pointing at a squirrel with glasses on his face. It's true. But that painting is amazing. Yeah. He's also holding I mean, a donut. He is. So, yeah. He's, he's a He's a party type. Well, I think that's enough truth for me this week. You can't handle any more no, truth? No, I okay. can't. Yeah. This is definitely a wrap <laughs> for episode six. You can't handle the truth. But you can look forward to another great episode dropping next Wednesday and every Wednesday on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. That is true. That is truth that we can handle. Yes. Hard-hitting truth. Yes. And in the meantime, another truth that you can handle is you can head to our website, broadsandbooks.com, to check out all the recommendations we made in this episode, Mm -hmm. as well as one bonus pick. Um, Each week, we offer a bonus in addition to everything we talked about here. Um, Yeah. So go to the website. Find it. Check it it out. And surprise, there's some bonus material on our website, too. There is. We won't spoil it. We won't tell you what all of them are, but it's worth it. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can also check out our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to give us feedback and let us know items you might want to hear us talk about in future episodes. And if you're the creative type or have a great idea for a future theme or episode, you can let us know. We would happily take those recommendations. We absolutely would. Happily. Yes. Happily. And... If you're creative and you love us and you want to shout your love, which is from every street, listener, yes, then do us a favor. Go over to whatever podcast provider you're using. Mm-hmm. Leave a review for us. Yes. We have loved all the reviews left so far. Mm-hmm. They've been wonderful. We want to thank you all. But hey, if you haven't done it yet, 
we'd love you even more if you go leave a review. Yes. It People helps can us handle this truth. They can handle this truth. Yeah. And in fact, by providing reviews, you can push us up in the search so more people can find out that they can handle the truth. Which is just a kind thing to do. It really is. It really is. So we're excited to hear from you. So please reach out. And we're super excited to be back every week. Until next time, that's it for us. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.